Hey guys, welcome back to That Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Alex, Travis, and Paula. We're the podcast where we discuss developing topics in STEM fields. Today's topic is 3D printing, the best type of printing there is. Okay, Travis, so this is your topic and you've researched a lot about 3D printing, so why don't you tell us what 3D printing is and what applications it's being used for? 3D printing is something that's been around for a while but is becoming more accessible by the day and a lot cheaper, which of course makes it more accessible. The main thing right now, 3D printers are ones that print in a 3D plane where instead of using ink, they use plastic mostly in order to, well, turn a design from a model on a computer into an actual model you can hold in your hands. And it's great for different prototyping. Yeah, I remember when the first 3D printer was being made, it was actually made from a modified inkjet printer where they essentially fed the plastic through the printer and it extruded really rough. And it was crazy to see. But, like, today, you know, 3D printing has become more and more popular, I know. You know, you see them all the way, like, all around, like, schools, um, works, workspaces and stuff. Um, but what are some, like, real-world applications um, that the 3D printer is being used for? One of the first ones I saw is one that I actually just started using in the medical field. It uses a type of metal, and I want to say titanium, but it's uh, some branch of that that isn't rejected by the human body. And they're able to use the 3D printer to actually make these implants specific to people's spines after, you know, scanning them. And they're able to use that to try and fix scoliosis or help recovery for spinal injuries but that's less invasive than just most surgeries. Now, has this been, like, tested before or implemented on um, actual human? According to the article, they actually just started it on their first human subjects and they haven't actually seen any negative side effects so far. Which, especially dealing with the spine, I feel like is great news. And the fact that it's 3D printed and specific for people without having to rely on like a generic template, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, because I know, like, I've known people in the past who've had, like, metal shafts in their arms because they've shattered their arms or they have metal screws in their bones because they've injured themselves so horrendously. But do you think that this will really, like, change the medical field in, like, many ways? Or, oh, I think it definitely will with the especially with 3D printing, because the whole thing is that not just is it like it's cool that they're doing the spine, but the biggest thing to me is the fact that they're able to look at the scans and make it specifically for people because it's not mass produced, but it's 3D printed on site or off site and shipped. I'm not really sure. But the whole thing is that since it's specific enough to the per person, you can actually make a lot of these treatments less generic, more specific and probably faster healing. Right. And it also sounds to me like it's um, a lot more um, efficient and just like affordable overall. So I think that's a really good like benefit. The thing is, right now, do you think that it's as efficient as just like getting a mold for a generic piece, um, like molding the metal and getting it from molds or will it be faster in the near future for it to be 3D printed quickly at like in-house or do you think that We'll still have to well, use some Definitely mold. with time, it will become more efficient. But as of right now, I have no idea if it actually is more efficient than creating a mold. But the, especially just with the progress you can see in the last couple of years, generically, just with, you know, average 3D printers to be bought going from like a thousand bucks to 200, we could probably see a lot of advancements in the field accelerate at a, about the same rate, if I had to guess. Yeah, and I also wonder, like, <clears throat> with 3D printing, I wonder if they make these prints kind of specialized to the person, you know what I'm saying? Like, not just, like, an average size, you, you know? Well, the one I was talking about does, but I don't know about most of them. Right. Well, that's, I think that's very cool. 
Yeah, there's a lot of applications in the medical field. Uh, I think you were also talking about how they're a printer that prints actual flesh for burn victims. Yeah, there's actually, what it does is it takes some, uh, like, because normal burn victims, you have to take a slab of flesh either from them or one that's grown generically on its own. And then, you know, you've seen how the healing process, if you have, it's a lot pink because it's new flesh and it's forming. What they're doing with this one that's actually pretty neat is that it duplicates the stem cells in the lab, but it's duplicating from you from your own skin cells. And since it's duplicating from them, it actually keeps around the same skin color so it's not as pink and fleshy. And what it does is that you can actually place your arm or limb in there because this one's specified for limbs so far. And it actually uses it and then starts printing it directly into the area of your skin after scanning it. So there's less of that space for infections to take place. So it's more accurate and it heals faster than just normal skin grafts that they use to heal the burns. Yeah, because I know normal skin grafts, they like just take pieces of the skin from either the leg or buttocks and they just like place it onto where this burn is but is this like tailor-made to fit the exact area or is it just like a generic patch it's sort of like where you take a scan of the area and then the it's it's less of an i guess it's still a nozzle but then it just kind of goes around finds the area of it it prints it into a separate place and makes something that's the exact shape and size of your actual burn that they can then place on afterwards I really like the idea of that. I remember um, reading this a long time ago. Did you know um, sometimes the doctors even use shark skin to replace um, skin on, like, a person's body? Uh, I think I've I've read about that, but I think they use the shark skin to, like, aid in the healing process. Not necessarily to replace it, but to, like, really just help with the, like, relieving of the, all the burns and like the dead skin right but i think it's really cool to see how far we've come just in the past few years from like shark skin or just like cutting off your own skin to 3d growing printing our, yeah, yeah growing our own skin with a 3d printer yeah 3d printing has a lot of applications especially like not only in the medical field but also in construction like i've researched how a Dutch company in Amsterdam has been able to actually 3D print a whole metal bridge across the canal in one, like Amsterdam has around 60 plus miles of canals. And the fact that this will aid in the ability for foot traffic to not get from one city to one part of the city to another is amazing. So they printed out a bunch of separate pieces and assembled them outside or? No, they actually like, so what they do is they place these robotic arms. It's not like a normal 3D printer. So you can't really, so you know like how a MakerBot has a, like a, five inch by eight inch plate they can't really use that to print bridge parts so what they do is that they have arms with metal like essentially weld that they inject into the arms and as their arms build it in lines not essentially layers but lines they keep moving the arms forward and forward up the bridge in order to weld more steel to it oh sort of like if we just kept moving the base farther and farther right we just had infinite track distance yeah it actually pulls itself along the bridge as it's building in order to make it not only more efficient but also more cost effective and also it allows for more adjusting on the side on the fly how many uh, how many bridges have they uh, made using those robotic arms you know? uh, they've only tested that one in in the field but they have made a bunch in their labs Oh, hey, a moving robotic 3D printing arm is a pretty sick thing to me. Even if it failed, they'd have a thumbs up from me. Right. You don't really see 3D printers like that very, like, ever really. Like, robotic arms, that's something very new to me. Yeah, it's very unique because they are able to not only be adjusted on the fly, unlike a normal 3D printer where you have to wait for the entire print to finish or you cancel the entire print, these 
robotic arms are actually able to be adjusted and adjustable on the fly, making it way more cost-effective in the long run. And so, like, um, imagine this is just using an average type of metal for the prints, or? Yeah, they basically use steel and weld it in lines instead of layers. Okay. Speaking of different steel, there's actually this one print that's pretty neat. Uh, I think it works a little bit metal, but they're using a metal epoxy, and it's they're trying to design something for self-healing with temperatures. I'm not exactly sure what application they're going to use this for, but what it does is it 3D prints a shape by using different polymers, and as the polymers break down, somehow the printer prints it in a certain shape, so even if it like melts or gets split, when it reforms, they reattach in the shape. So the video example they use is they made an outline of a person's face, melt it with heat so it's practically liquid in chunks everywhere, and as it solidifies, it goes back into the face instead of just solidifying in its own thing. So they're actually breaking polymers and shaping it into what they want with a new printer design. Wow, that's that's very interesting. I wonder what they'll be using with that soon. I'm sure they're going to figure something out soon. I've seen in the past, like, LG has its own self-repairing phone. Like, the back of the phone actually, like, if you scratch into it, it actually, like, repairs itself through heat. So it's probably a similar material. And I can definitely see the application not only in electronics, but also in cars and a bunch of other applications. Oh, that's brought, yeah, that sounds pretty sick. I just couldn't think of one off the top of my head. I just knew that a melting face that put itself back together was pretty sweet to me. <laughs> And there's also more uh, biological applications, too. I see Paula has also researched life prints as well. <clears throat> yeah, so 3D Life Prints is this um, this company that actually, kind of going back to the medical field, they actually provide um, all kinds of 3D printers to a bunch of hospitals, you know, emergency rooms, as well as universities um, to kind of, and they, like, encourage um, the use of 3D printing and they come up with a bunch of projects and research in order to help actual patients you know say for example prosthetics and stuff they you know get with um, a customer figure out what they need and then using a 3D printer which they like can also like build themselves and stuff run through a lot of scans they work very closely with a bunch of hospitals. A custom prosthetics are a great way to not only help the patient because generic prosthetics can either hurt the patient, injure the patient, or impede on their healing process. So the ability to actually create prosthesis for the person itself is actually a great endeavor. So Life Prints distributes the printers to the different... Exactly. And, you know, like, fund research and projects. Um, it also, what they... what one of the benefits is they it kind of reduces the cost of the patients say you know something happens to them but the cost to get it um to be like get healed or cured or whatever it is is like way too high well this is where 3d life prints comes in and they really like help them out yeah well the fact that we've gotten to the point where we're actually distributing them to different hospitals with different companies and helping put it is really a testament to how efficient we've gotten just with the technology right and kind of like going back to prosthetics there's actually um a middle school in Knoxville, Tennessee, I'm not sure if you guys heard, but they have their own um, 3D printing club, and all the little kids in that club have actually kind of, like, created their own projects, so they have a classmate who is in need of a prosthetic, right? And so they took it upon themselves to make one using their 3D printer for their classmate. One way that we can all benefit from 3D printers is we're able to actually help people in our 
community and around us just by designing it ourselves and printing ourselves rather than relying on an outside source which is something like even we do here with the 3d printing project you know we go meet with our teachers find a need in their classroom uh, you know what's going what's going wrong something we can help them with and then bam we 3d print them something and then problem solved yeah like as an example for my project i 3d printed some cars with magnets which you know doesn't sound nearly as impressive <laughs> after talking about you know self-arms welding bridges together but it's just a the fact that we're able to access all of these things in high school and how they're able to access them in middle school really shows just kind of how fast we're advancing through things and how much can really be achieved with different 3D, te 3D printing technologies. Yeah, going back to the biological standpoint about prosthetics and stuff, we have the ability to actually 3D print almost exoskeletons. Like the Exobionics, a company, has been able to 3D print a essentially exoskeleton for those who are paralyzed, and it's actually able to help them walk for the first time in maybe years or even their entire life. Oh, wow. And how long has this been going on? It's been going on for a few years, but they've only recently started prototyping. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, like paralyzed with the spine as they couldn't move their legs at all, or is this... Um, uh yeah, mostly paralyzed from the waist down. They haven't really gone to full body exoskeletons yet. It's mostly just below the waist, uh, knee bending and walking. Oh, that's still pretty neat, the fact that they're able to get that far. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool how these innovations are able to not only revolutionize medical, but also many other industries as well. For example, right now on the ISS, there's 3D printers in space printing tools and different things for them to use. Right, because I know like sending things up into space is very expensive lots of labor it's very hard therefore just keeping something up there in space is um, very efficient yeah it's way more cost efficient because think about it it, it takes uh, hundreds of dollars just to send a single kilogram in space with current technology which may change in the future we don't know however if we send a 3d printer up there with the with the uh, filament we're able to not only send just the designs electronically which saves tons of space tons of weight but also allows them to design themselves the tools that they need for the certain applications that they have. Because they may not have the tools for the job on site, say like there's a fire or there's something wrong with a certain machine, they might be able to 3D print a tool that they'll be able to use at that situation at that time within minutes or hours. Now, how does the 3D printer up in space actually work? It's just to send a single kilogram in space with current technology, which may change in the future, we don't know. However, if we send a 3D printer up there with the, with the uh, filament, we're able to not only send just the designs electronically, which saves tons of tons of weight, but also allows them to design themselves the tools that they need for the certain applications that they have. Because they may not have the tools for the job on site, say like there's a fire or there's something wrong with a certain machine. They might be able to 3D print a tool that they'll be able to use at that situation at that time within minutes or hours. Now, how does the 3D printer up in space actually work? Well, just like any printer here, it's basically a you have a flat plane and it prints in layers. It's essentially it three D printers can be used in any application as long as the first layer adheres to the plate. Right. Adhesion to the plate at first, because I would hate to be the one in the space station trying to chase around a giant ball of melted filament. Yeah, that wouldn't be very fun. I'm sure it's in a case. Yeah. <laughs> Boo! Let my imagination run wild, man. <laughs> Um, well, kind of going back to uh, more real-world applications, smart, so a bunch, lots researchers from Brown University are actually using graphene oxide to um, create almost a hydrogel from seaweed. So 
when you think of hydrogels, normally people will think of like jelly, you know, like or like jello, you know, the stuff that we eat. Fair, I didn't have a single thought. I have no idea what the word means. Oh. Is it <laughs> is it similar to like aerogel, like the really lightweight material that like has a lot of air pockets? Or what what do you mean by gel? Gel just um it's, <laughs> it's just hydrogel is means jelly like it's not quite a solid but not quite a liquid so that's why like I use jello as a, an example <laughs> I guess yeah I see what you mean but another common um, example is seaweed actually so these researchers are actually taking seaweed to create a hydrogel that actually like um, like with the use of a 3D printer, it like forms all these like chemical bonds, and it actually becomes almost like a coat that um, people are gonna use like on their boats. You know, it's for like marine life it specifically, um, and it like hardens like super duper hard. You, you'd think like seaweed, it becomes like a hard coat. People are putting it on their boats, um, on everything. So does it create like a waterproof layer for the right. for aquatic experiences? Yeah, exactly. That's actually pretty cool because seaweed, as you as you said, like doesn't seem that like rigid at first. But I guess once it's dried out or once it's put into the shell, I can see the applications. Yeah, because they they kind of um, mix it with a bunch of different chemical bonds. Like it's called alginate graphene oxide, and this combination um, is actually able to retain the ability to repel water and oils. So does this look more like a brick or something that you'd paint on somewhere? It's something that you'd paint on. Oh, okay. So it's not really... Wait, so by three... Is it like extruded into... Like out of something? Yes, exactly. That's pretty cool. And also going back to like what you said with liquid, There, have you ever heard of SLA printing where they use like a polymerized resin? Yes, actually we have one here. Well, there's that Jin Wan Zheng, professor of mechanical engineering at the National Taiwan University of Science and Technology, is actually designing a 3D printer that uses polymerized resin using just your cell phone flashlight. Oh. So you'll be able to essentially put your phone into the machine, and, I mean, it's going to have a small build area. It's not going to be that large. It's only your cell phone flashlight. However, the ability to just take something so simple that an everyday use objects such as your cell phone and have the ability to print something that you've designed yourself digitally is incredible. Oh yeah, the fact that you're using a phone at this point because a lot of them right now, the biggest complaint is I think the high maintenance of all of them and the idea that the one of the you know the important parts, the lasers kind of provided by your phone is really sweet. Yeah, and the phone doesn't really see that much wear and tear either with just the flash. I think by being able to use your phone it also makes it like a lot more accessible, don't you? Yeah, because yeah, it's not going to be as expensive either because they don't have to provide such a high-powered light if they're if they just need to use your phone. And now the only true question is if people would be really, really be willing to go without Snapchat for four hours while they print a cube. That is the real question. Additionally, with construction, have you seen videos of uh, essentially a large 3D print that's able to use concrete to print houses? They've been using it in multiple third-world countries. Oh, they're actually using concrete? Yeah, they, it's, okay, they're not really 3D printing concrete, but they have a giant, essentially, hopper of concrete on top of a moving structure that essentially goes in circles, or whatever floor plan they use, and essentially extrudes it from essentially a foot-wide, or foot-diameter, yeah, foot-diameter circle 
that goes around and it basically just puts layer upon layer upon layer of concrete in order to make houses. They okay. they 3D printed one in I think Beijing and it took 48 hours and they also 3D printed one in Russia that was around a 24 hour print but it was only a 400 square foot house. Okay, and I imagine this is a lot faster than just typical construction at this point or is it just I mean, reaching I mean 400,000 square feet in no, 24 no, hours? No, no, 400 square feet. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought 400,000. <laughs> I was I was amazed. No. Well, yeah. Yeah, 400,000. I don't think I'd be asking the question. Yeah, if it was 400 square feet, I think it'd take a little bit more than a, a day. <laughs> We're making a new parking lot today. <laughs> that, okay, okay, that sounds a lot more reasonable. But still, I mean, 24 hours, there's some basic prints you can do here that'll, that could take up to 24 hours. And the fact that they're using concrete. Yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't have as, like, as much space in the walls because obviously it's just concrete. So they'd have, they'd have to figure out about how to wire a house, how to put plumbing in the house. So that, yeah. those, these are all things that we have to adjust for. But just looking at the baseline, how we can just build an entire house of just wall of concrete is crazy. We just take like eight different types of 3D printers and stack them on top of each other. I guess that's one way. Now, <clears throat> do they plan on expanding these concrete houses anywhere other than like Beijing and Russia? Do you know if there's any other companies? Well, those are the main ones, but they're those are just prototyping. Like mm -hmm. those are just the demonstration that it works. But they plan to put these into, like I said, like third world countries and developing countries where they may not have the amount of money and to build an entire essentially like you said 400 square 400,000 square foot house so cuz that might not be needed in those type of areas but it's just a proof of concept right right i mean it's no luxury house but we need some people just need a house i think this is a great idea yeah it's a and it's a great structure too it's going to last longer than wood structures cuz obviously it won't it's rock it's not going to degrade like wood does right it's not going to wear and tear so easily um, have you heard that uh, they created essentially a car a few years ago? A few, yeah, a few years ago they, I think, there was one startup company that was actually able to three D print a car in a few days. Or, well, wait one second. In a few days? Uh, I think. Wait, not really a few days. I think it was more of a few weeks. But okay, a few weeks might be yeah. more believable because I was yeah, thinking like yeah. it took me well, it was a couple in weeks to print my little toy cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it was actually a fully usable car. Obviously, the engine and the axles and the wheels weren't 3D printed, but the entire chassis of the entire car was 3D printed. Using what exactly? Just like titanium, aluminum? No, it was using... And it, yeah. it, did it work with like they bought an engine, put it in there, and it was a functioning car, or is it more like a frame? No, it was actually a functioning car. I don't think it was like a really heavy or powerful engine, but it actually worked. Oh. Yeah, well, that's pretty sweet. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, and Ford's also looking to implement 3D printing projects in their assemblies, too. However, I don't think that's going to be in mainstream cars in the near future, most likely part of their luxury cars. Right. I know they have, like, a warehouse that's, like, started to really implement, like, robotics and stuff. You know, like, a warehouse with no sparks is what they call it. But 3D printing, uh, not so sure about that one. <laughs> yeah, current technology with 3D printing, you really have to make sure that quality is there because sometimes the layers may not print right sometimes the extruder might not work right so there's a bunch of quality control that goes into 3d printing that we have to account for instead of a glob of plastic it's just a i don't know 40 pound ball of titanium on the assembly line yeah that would not <laughs> go well if it was going into a car yeah i mean 3d printing is great but sometimes i feel like they can't exactly do everything as humans can. Well, I would word it more like I want to throw the machine across the room, but we agree. In the 
Well, obviously 3D printing has its downfalls, but it has a lot of advantages and potential for the future. Well, that's all for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Join us next week when we talk about the Internet of Things, and we'll see you guys next time. Not as cool as 3D printing.